Uh, turn with me in your, in your Bibles uh, to the book of Acts chapter 9. And uh, while you're turning there, I'm going to compose myself. And, uh, you know, uh, it just, I don't know, maybe I'm just overly emotional right now with things going on with my mother-in-law and just those things that, you know, in life that just kind of hit us and weigh us down and, and, you know, it's just, you know, being tired, being busy, all those kinds of things. But, you know, I, I was listening to the song, listening to it where, you know, it says he's the healer then, he's still healing now. And I'm like, and we've got, whew, we've got people here in this place, you know, he's probably going to hit me for it, but Cameron's one. He knows I love him, and you're a miracle, buddy. Brother Larry, it's a miracle. He, God is working. He is moving. And uh, I, I just hope that, you know, we, we really take note and can see it, that we can feel it. I don't know about you guys, but, man, I just, I just feel like the Holy Spirit is moving. It's a good thing. I'm excited about it. <laughs> hope you're excited about it. Um, whew. Like I said, we, we're, I'm going to get together here in just a second, I promise. We're, we are going to have a service. Um, you know, we, we've been talking about faith here the last couple of weeks. Um, you know that uh, I, I led one called Big Faith. Uh, we were talking about uh, faith just simply the size of a mustard seed, right? And I, and I even brought in a little visual for you guys. I actually passed out mustard seeds. And, and I told each of you, I said, just, just take one so that that way we could have a, just a representation of, of, of what our faith should look like. Then last week, we had Brother Gary who came and, and led a message for us. He had a, another church who was, who was here, uh, a pastor church committee who was here listening to him. They were they're interested in possibly calling him as, as their pastor. And, and so we were grateful for that opportunity to uh, to give him a space that he could come and, and bring a message so that they could hear him to decide if he's the man that God has called to, to, uh, to fill that, that vacancy in their church. And, and what did he do but bring a message about faith? And he talked all about faith and, and, and what it should look like, what it means. And today, we're going to continue in this idea of faith. And so you may have seen up on the screen, or maybe it'll be coming up here in a moment, but, but today I called this one Blind Faith. As you know, I, and I've said it many times, you'll hear it many more times throughout the year, our, our vision this year is Blind Faith. That's how, that's just how blind it is. <sighs> it is so blind it can't even get a signal. Timmy's going to try and fix it. Listen, you know how we are here at Bethlehem. We roll with the punches. It's all good. Um, even if we don't have that big screen up there, the Holy Spirit can still lead us. Amen? So, uh, so yeah, that's what we do. We count, on, we count on Him for everything. The idea of, of us going by faith, right? We said we're going to walk by faith, not by sight. That's what the Lord calls for us to do. He says we should, by faith, Believe in Him, trust in Him, obey Him, do all, like, like everything that we are, we have to do by faith. Why? Because Jesus, is, He's not standing right here in front of me, is He? Like, like the disciples, all those people 2,000 years, like they got to walk with Him, and how amazing must that have been. But, but for us today, we don't have that, do we? 
But what I do know is I have a living God who rose from the dead, who, who I know for absolute fact, not just simply because of the historical accuracy of the Bible, not only because it's, not, it's the only book in history that you can't find fault with, not only because it's the only book in history that is still currently the bestseller today, but because it's truth. And because I have felt him in my heart. Because I have felt him reach out and speak to me. No, not audibly, but in my heart, right? Oh, I would just, I would give everything to hearing him speak to me audibly, right? Like, could you imagine if you were like, and, and granted, I understand it would be terrifying, but if you were like Saul, and then all of a sudden you heard, you know, like, I don't know, Dory. Right, I'm just picking on you. And you're like, yes, Lord. And then he says something to you, like, how freaked out would you be? But it'd be amazing, wouldn't it? To go, I've heard the voice of the Lord, like, audibly. And then everybody around her goes, I didn't hear anything. Because that's the way it works, right? So, listen, it, we are called to work, move, obey, believe everything by faith. But we should be doing it blindly. When we approach our situations, as we approach our, our beliefs, as we move in faith, we should do it blindly. Because we don't have Jesus standing in front of us. But we have his word to give us that reassurance, don't we? And so everything that we do, we simply need to do it blindly. Going, I believe that the Lord is instructing me, that the Lord is guiding me, that the Lord is, is moving and providing and his Holy Spirit is going to be with me and work with me and move with me. And so today as we look at this, this story about a man named Ananias, we are going to take a look at this idea of blind faith. And so, take a look there in Acts chapter 9, uh, and starting there at verse, uh, verse 10. And then we're going to go through verse 19. It says, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. I just love doing it deeply like that. You know, <clears throat> that's how I envision it in my brain. He says, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And he said, he said to him, rise, go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and so that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and he was baptized 
and taking food, he was strengthened. Listen, as we, as we look at a passage like this, I hope we can, we can see the faith that this must have taken. You're talking about big faith here, especially for this man named Ananias. We don't really know a whole lot about this man named Ananias. He's really just kind of mentioned here. He's mentioned again in chapter 22 when, when Paul, uh, once Paul becomes, uh, or Saul becomes Paul, he refers back to Ananias in chapter 22. But we don't really have a whole lot about him other than the fact that it says there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. It's really about it. We don't know a whole lot. What we do know is that the Lord spoke directly to him. We know that the Lord gave him a message. He gave him a purpose. And he said, I need you to fulfill this. I need you to do something for me. And what he asked him to do required a very large amount of faith. Very large amount of faith. And so, the Lord here, when it says that the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, right? It says when the Lord spoke to him here, who we're talking about is actually Jesus. It's not that this is, this is God who's speaking, and this is Jesus himself who is speaking directly to Ananias and giving him this message. And I love here that when Ananias answers, he answers like this. He says, here I am, Lord. If you heard the voice of the Lord call out to you, like Dory or Greg or Jim, are you going to go, here I am, Lord. Are you going to look around the room first? I'm looking around first. That's number one. Michelle's with me, aren't you? Right? He just simply went, here I am, Lord. He knew, trusted by faith. Oh, the Lord's speaking to me. Like he just, he just felt it come upon him. And the way that he answers is absolutely correct. I want you all to understand that when the Lord speaks to you, the way that Ananias answered is 100% the right way we should answer. Here I am, Lord. When I say here I am, it means I'm listening. I'm at attention. You have my full understanding, patience, you know, uh, focus. You have my everything. He says, here I am, Lord. This echoes the same sort of response that others have done. Abraham in chapter 22, when the Lord um, uh, commanded for him to go and to sacrifice his only son, he called out to him, he said, Abraham. And he said, here I am, Lord. We have others examples, other examples of this, and, and just another one specifically is from Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah, he answered, when the Lord called upon him, he said, and the Lord was saying, who's going to go? Who's going to do that? He said, here I am, Lord. Send me. It's a right response when the Lord calls upon us. It is a perfect response to just simply say, here I am. I'm ready. Whatever the task may be, here I am. And in verse 11, the Lord gives him very specific instructions. He says, get up, go here, do this. Now, if you're like me, you may be wondering, why can't I get that? Why can't the Lord speak to me and say, hey, Greg, I want you to get up today, and I want you to go here. 
want you to go to this gas station. And I want you to, the guy that's going to be on pump four, he's only paying 20 bucks because he ain't got a whole lot of money. I need you to go talk to him. And I need you to fill the rest of his gas tank because he needs to be able to get somewhere to, to take care of a family member. And, and so, so here's this plan. I'm going to lay it out for you specifically. I need you to go. And then I say, here I am. Send me. How amazingly easy would that be? Don't you wish that that's the way it worked? Don't you wish that when the Lord spoke to you and gave you that little, that little feeling in your, in your gut, in your chest, in your heart, that you, where you go, man, I feel like I need to do this, but do I really? Or, or is it me? Man, am I seeking the glory in this? Or, or, you know, I really feel like the Lord's tugging on me to, to go and speak to this person, to share the gospel, to go talk to my family member, to share with a friend this complete and utter stranger who just appeared in my presence. Like, I feel like I need to share the gospel. And then we go, mm, comfort zone. Now it's outside my bubble. I think I'm going to hold back. But if we had very specific instructions, don't you think it'd be a little bit easier to step outside that comfort zone to go, look, I'm, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go to the street called Straight. I need you to go to the guy whose name is Saul. He is from Tarsus, by the way, as if that really mattered at that point, right? But he says, it, it, but, but really it did because he wanted him to understand, like, I, want you, I need you to know who you're talking to. He's, so I need you to go to the street, call straight. I need you to talk to this guy whose name is Saul. I need you to lay your hands upon him because he is praying and you're going to help restore his sight. It's very specific, very detailed instructions that, oh, I wish all of us could have. Because you know what? This church would be booming. Wouldn't it? Churches all around us would be booming because we would all have very clear, concise instruction from the Lord. You couldn't screw it up, even though we're people and we probably still would. Because that's what we do best, right? We're, we're in the flesh, when, especially men, right? Because that's just the way we are. Like he would say, go to the street called straight, not go to the street called crooked, because that's what men do. I thought he said crooked, I don't know. Um, but this isn't really typically the way that we receive callings now. This isn't how the Lord speaks to us. He, he gives us this, this feeling that we have to pay attention to. We have to focus on him, don't we? And in essence, what this means is that Ananias was probably really focused on the Lord. And that's probably the reason that he heard, I need you to get up. I need you to go to the street call straight. I need you to go see this man who's named Saul of Tarsus. And I need you because he's praying to go and lay your hands upon him. And I need you to care for him as a brother. And Ananias, who answers at least initially correctly, who says, here I am, Lord, right? Here I am. And then the Lord says, go speak to Tall of Tarsus. And he goes, hold. Wait a second. Who? Right? Because, because, you know, look at how he answers. He says, but Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, about how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. You see, this is the point where, and, and Timmy, you can put this one up. I don't know if you have already, but, uh, but blind faith leads us to an act of obedience. See, when the Lord calls upon us, when we respond with, here I am, Lord, it means that I'm saying, I will go. I will trust you. I will lean upon you for your guidance, for your wisdom, for your everything to get me from point A to point B and to complete the task in its entirety. 
It's blind faith. I don't know what exactly it is that you're going to have me do. I don't know where exactly you're going to have me go, but I believe and I trust in you to accomplish it, right? And so, so blind faith helps us in this, in this category. It leads us to obedience. Now, I want you to also understand this. One of the best parts of this is that Ananias, who it does say he's a disciple of the Lord, but again, remember, he doesn't, we don't have a bunch of information about him, do we? All we really know is that he's appeared, he's been given this ginormous task, and then he sort of disappears. Which tells us, and what scholars also believe, is that he was really just a regular guy who was a follower of Jesus Christ. You know what that makes him? You and me. That's what it makes him. He wasn't a disciple, disciple like the twelve. He wasn't an apostle, the 12. He was a follower of Jesus Christ who was used to accomplish a task that the Lord had before him. How novel an idea is that? Have you ever felt the Lord put a calling upon your life? Have you ever felt this small little tug that says, I need you to do this thing? I don't claim to be any sort of a visionary. I don't claim to be a prophet. I don't claim any of those things, so don't look at me weird. But what I can tell you is I've had different situations in my life, and probably the one that stands out to me the most is a dream that I had where uh, a couple that we knew named Junior and Hazel, I just hadn't seen them in years, hadn't talked to them in years. They used to go to my old church, and, and for whatever reason, the Lord put on my heart one night in a dream, and I, and I saw Hazel and all I can remember when I woke up was she said, Greg, it's not good. That's all, that's all I got. She said, Greg, it's not good. So the next day, I called her. I don't know why I'm supposed to call you, Hazel, but I just, Lord put you on my heart. I'm going to call you. She said, well, it's not good. She said, Junior's got cancer. That's not me, people. I'm not prophetic. I'm not anything. That is the Lord going, I need you to pay attention. I need you to do something for me. I need you to accomplish a task. And so I was able to go and pray with him that very night when he went to go have surgery. I went and prayed with him then. And praise the Lord, the cancer's been taken care of. He's cancer-free, and, and he's still doing well now. Hazel has since passed away. What a lovely, beautiful lady, uh, just near and dear to our hearts. But, but I'm telling you, the Lord speaks to us. And the question is, are we paying attention? And when we, we do hear him, are we acting in obedience? Are we acting upon what the Lord puts upon us? He speaks to you. I promise he does. Are you listening? And are you being obedient in the way that this happens? Because Ananias was just a guy. He was just a follower of Jesus Christ. Just a follower. You and me. So when Ananias answers, he's, he's scared. He's worried. He's he's. He's up in arms, in reality, about this task now that's laid out before him. He answers, here I am, but now he's going, hang on a second. This guy, he's done tons of evil. evil. He's, he's done these things to, to the saints at Jerusalem. He says, here even, he's got authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. You want me to go see him? And then the Lord, in, in verse 15, he says, go. 
for he is a chosen instrument of mine. Understand that when the Lord speaks and gives us tasks, it is with absolute purpose. Do we believe that the Lord is going to send us to do something that's going to blow up in our face? Or do we believe that when he sends us to do a task, whether we understand how it's supposed to turn out or not, that if we're just obedient in doing it, that it is going to bring the Lord glory? Do you know how many times, uh, I mean, I've been on the worship team here before my brother Jody took over playing the drums, which, thank you again, Jody. (laughs) It frees me up. You all have no idea how much that has helped me, tremendously helped me. But do you realize how many times we have screwed things up here to the point where when we got off and, and talked afterwards, we were just like, that was a disaster. But you know what? At the end of the day, where we land, where we settle, is we, you know what? We still did it. We still did it. We still stood up here and we did our best. Even if, it, even if the screen went off and Timmy's back there unplugging stuff and frantically trying to get it to come back so that you guys know what the next lyrics are. We're still trying. We're still doing our best. We're still giving our all. And even if it seems like it's a failure, it's not. Because we're being obedient into what, into what the Lord has called us to do. If we have ever put on any sort of a, a function here, a gathering here where, where we went, you know what, I'm praying for a hundred people to come and to be here in this place. And then when we have that event, 15 people show up. The human side of us goes, just let some of the wind out of myself. But you know what we always say, what I've always pushed, anytime we've ever have an event, had an event, Amanda can tell you, because she and I have talked about this many times when we have done things here. Carol and I have talked about this many times here, where, we, where when we talk about it, we go, whether it's 100 or whether it's 15, we're going to do it the same way, and we're going to honor and glorify the Lord in how we do it. Because it's not about the numbers. It's not about, about what we do. It's about whether or not we are honoring the Lord in our efforts. It's about being obedient to the calling. It's about showing up and moving when he says, hey, you, are you saying, here I am? And are you going to do your best? And so the way that Ananias responds here, don't get me wrong, it is a very humanistic response. It is a very fearful response, which is, brings me to my next point. Blind faith triumphs over fear. Blind faith absolutely will triumph over fear because even though we are sometimes scared to do the things that he calls for us to do, like maybe go talk to the guy at the gas station or to share the gospel with a family member or, or, or even stand in opposition and say, I'm going to be steadfast in the way that I believe. Even if you don't believe the same way, it's okay. I'm going to tell you what I believe and I'm going to do it with love and with respect. I'm not going to tear you down. Instead, I'm going to try to lift you up and point you to the Word of God. I'm going to be steadfast and obedient in what the Lord has called me to do, and I'm going to do it with boldness and without fear because I believe in my Lord Jesus, and I believe so much so that that He died on the cross for me so that I have the chance and the opportunity. I have a chance and an opportunity to share the things that I share because He died for me. Have you thought about it that way? 
you wouldn't have the chance or the opportunity if he didn't die for you. It's important for us to get and to understand. We have a responsibility as Christians, but we can't let that fear trap us in a season or in a place where we say, I'm not going to move. I'm just going to sit still. I'm just going to sort of just bring myself in nice and tight and hope nobody touches me. We're called to reach out. Jesus spread his arms as wide as he possibly could so that he could bring in as many as possible, didn't he? And that distance is as far as the east is from the west. It means he's ready to bring in any single person who's willing to call upon his name. How far are you willing to go? That's what God is calling upon us to do. Every single one of us. The banner that is here behind me says, Go, make disciples of every nation, every tribe. And, and guess what? One day, every nation, every tribe, every tongue will bow. And we're a part of that. We're supposed to be a part of that. Now, I'm not here to run you in the ground and chastise you, but I am here to challenge you. Don't just come and sit in these pews on Sunday morning and then expect that everything's going to be fine and hunky-dory. It's your relationship with you and the Lord that matters. Are you answering the call that he's put upon your life? Are you being faithful? Are you being obedient? Are you believing and trusting in him? And are you doing so blindly with faith that triumphs over fear? When Jesus called upon Ananias, he struggled with that calling because of who he was going to talk to. But we get encouragements that are given to us, stuff like Proverbs chapter 19, verse 23. It says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Who can hurt you when you believe in and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? And what I mean by that is even if you were to die here today because you proclaim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you go to heaven and you get to sit with him in the, in the area where now you live in a mansion and the streets are paved of gold, who here is going to hurt you? Nobody. Nobody here is going to hurt you because you have an eternity with the Father in heaven. It doesn't matter what happens to you here. This is all temporary. It's like when Sierra goes camping. She takes a tent with her. She sets it up, and then at the end of the time, she tears it down. You know why? She's not intending to stay there forever. You shouldn't plan to be here for either, forever either. You have a home waiting for you. So be bold in the way that you live here. In Psalm chapter 27, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Who are you worried about if you have Jesus in your life? Isaiah 41 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Who are you worried about? What is keeping you from answering the call that the Lord puts on your life? What is keeping you in fear? Or are you willing to walk in blind faith and triumph over that fear? Then, we get to see in verse 18 that after Ananias goes in, he he. he 
puts his fears to the side, right? He puts all of his fears to the side. He goes in and he sees Saul. Understand that, that it, so I'm going to back up just a second. Understand how he approaches him. In verse 17, Ananias departs. He goes to the house. He lays his hands on Saul. And get this, he just simply says, Brother Saul. This man who has been literally capturing, torturing, beating, even killing Christians, persecuting them. He's known as Saul the Persecutor. He walked in and blind, with blind faith, with only the Lord speaking these words to him that said, go lay hands. He walks in and he greets him by saying, Brother Saul. Do we approach people that way? Where we just with this blind faith go, you have cried out to the Lord. You've accepted the Lord. I know what your past is. Am I holding your past against you? Because what you get to see represented there in the, in the, in the text is that Ananias didn't hold anything against Saul at that point. Jesus Christ had saved him and, and had forgiven him of his sin. So who am I to hold that sin against him? Am I Jesus? Am I the judge? Am I better, more righteous than God himself? Am I more uh, consumed with, with how great and mighty than I am that, that, that Jesus Christ himself isn't good enough to get rid of the sin? That I now have the ability and the power to keep you down where you are? You see, he walked in and just simply said, Brother Saul, the Lord forgave him. Ananias forgave him. At that point, he just says, Brother Saul, the Lord who has appeared to you on the road by which you have come has sent me that you may regain your sight and that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Period. This is absolute blind faith when Ananias is approaching him. And then in verse 18, we'll hit that one now. It says, immediately then, something like scales fell from his eyes, from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. It says, then he rose and he was baptized, took on food, and he was strengthened. So understand that when we act in blind faith, it achieves God's vision. It fulfills his good and perfect plan. So not only did Paul receive his sight, but he received so much more, didn't he? Was, was sight the only thing that he regained at that point? No. There was so much more that, that Paul now had before him. Why? Because it says Paul was a chosen instrument. If Ananias hadn't acted and was obedient this way, would we even have all of the New Testament that we have today? You see, it takes an act of faith, a complete trust in the Lord, to accomplish the tasks and the purposes that he has before us. Now, I'm not saying that the Lord, you know, if Ananias had completely failed and bailed and said, no, I ain't doing this, maybe he would have grabbed the guy that lives next door to Ananias and said, hey, okay, now I need you to go. He can do whatever he wants. He's God, right? The fact still remains that Ananias, by faith, walked when he was told to go. 
he laid hands. When he was told to lay hands, he forgave the same way that the Lord Jesus Christ forgave him, and he accomplished the vision that the Lord had for Saul, which was for him to regain his sight and to become a chosen instrument, an instrument that would then go on to bring the gospel, the good news, to not only the Gentiles, but to so many others, Jews, Gentiles. He didn't care who you were. He was like, I'm going to preach the good news. As a matter of fact, it was very shortly after this, like literally days, he regains his sight. He went from being Saul the persecutor to Saul who's going to walk into a synagogue. He's going to walk into the, to the sanctuary and he's going to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. All these people are completely baffled. He changed 180, completely went from I'm going to kill you to I want to help lead you to salvation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to condemn you because of your faith and calling upon the name of Jesus Christ to I am willing to die myself to tell you about Jesus. And it's because Ananias had blind faith to just simply go when he was asked to go, actually commanded to go. Are you willing to do the same? Are you willing to take the chance, take the risk, so that God can do and accomplish something big, great, and mighty. We get other examples of this. Who people who, through just simple blind faith, achieved God's vision. One of the, some of the biggest ones I'll share with you, Moses. When he was at the burning bush, right? There we had God, Moses, right? like yeah here i am he says i want you to go to pharaoh i want you to confront him i want you to demand that he lets your people go he's like uh, i don't think so right but he called upon upon moses to do this great a mighty amazing task and the things that were accomplished because of his obedience were we still talk about them to this day parting the red sea getting everybody at it, walking for 40 years through the desert and, and wearing the same clothes and the same shoes on their feet that never wore out, going through the desert and, and, and supplying for them in every way possible that when they were hungry, Moses said, oh, we're starving. And then God goes, here's manna from heaven. Boom. Like, like God supplied for every absolute single need that they had. And yet, just like all of us today, because of their flesh, because of their sin, they rejected him. You know how frustrated Moses must have felt when he went up on the mount carrying down the Ten Commandments and there they are after just 40 days worshiping a golden calf? He's like, really? We spent 40 years being fed, taken care of, didn't have the clothes wear off, the shoes on our feet, cared for you in every way possible for 40 years and like, this is what you do after 40 days? Like, that's the faith that we have, isn't it? That's the level of faith that we have. That's, that's where we are because we're people, because we're flawed. Abraham, he was called to sacrifice his, his, his only son, which is how he's referred. Yes, I understand he had two sons, but in this context, this is his only son, and, and the Lord calls upon him, says, Abraham, and he's like, here I am, Lord. He's like, good, go kill your kid. And you know what he did? You know what scripture says? It says he got up early. 
the next morning. He got up early, got a bunch of firewood together, got his son, got a couple of servants, went off to the place that the Lord said, just keep walking, I'll, find, I'll show you the place I want you to go. I'm going to take you to the mountain where you're going to kill your kid. And then when he gets to the edge of that mountain where he says, okay, this is where we're heading to, he tells the servants what? We're going to go up here, we're going to take care of business, and then we are coming back to you. He had blind faith that the Lord was going to supply a sacrifice, a substitute, so that he wouldn't have to kill his son, who was promised to him, who was promised to, to bear generations beyond him, as numerous as the stars and the sands on the seashore. He had blind faith that the Lord was going to substitute. However, he didn't hesitate. Instead, he got up early to go kill his son. Do you have that kind of faith? Blind faith that says, I'm going to believe and trust in the process. The Lord has a process. I'm just going to go with it. It's going to, it's going to be good. It's going to work out. And we know from that story, he didn't have to kill his son, that the Lord did provide a sacrifice, a lamb, which was representative, a forward pointing to Jesus Christ being the lamb of God who was given to us as a substitution, wasn't he? Who died on that cross that we didn't have to. We have Noah who built the ark. God said, Noah, build me an ark, even though there's not any rain. There's no flooding. There's no anything happening that would signify that you need a boat, but build it anyway. And he said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. Out of obedience, out of faith, blind faith in you. And he was made fun of, but he did it anyway. And then when the floods came, guess what? Only his family survived. We have Jonah who was called to go to Nineveh to go preach to the Assyrian people who the Jews despised. They hated each other. And he says, Jonah, go. And here we get a great example of someone who's just like me. He said, Jonah, go and preach to them. Go to Nineveh. Bring the message. Tell them that they have to repent or they're going to hell. And Jonah was like, nope, out of here. And he walks off, right? Gets swallowed up by a big, giant, smelly fish. Gets vomited back out onto the shore. And then he goes, hey, God, finally, I guess I'll go. That's me. I'm that guy. If you're like me, you're going to get swallowed by a big fish and puked out. Like, that's just the way it works. So, so understand that we aren't alone in the way that God has used people of the past. But understand that ultimately, it's so much easier and simpler that if when we hear the voice of God, when we feel the voice of God speak to us, that we respond this way. We go, here I am. Use me. Isn't that so much easier? To just simply say, yes. I'll go. I'll do it. By faith. Because I know that you're going to work it out. Because in every one of these instances, God worked it out, didn't he? Every one of those, he worked it out. He supplied. So the very last thing Verse 15 is that it says, um, uh, Paul will carry my name, uh, or Saul will carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Saul is going to do this work that I have called for him to do to accomplish this work. That's why it's so important that you are just faithful. And so Psalm 119 Verse 105, this should be familiar to you once you hear it. If you don't know it just by verse, you should recognize it. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
Are you watching for where the Lord is guiding you? Are you letting him be the lamp before your feet and the light that's in your path? Are you just trusting in him? All I can do is encourage you to walk blindly where he has you go because you will never have anybody who has more of your best interest at heart. He died for you. He sacrificed himself for you. He poured out his blood for you. He gave up everything, his one and only son, so that you could have life. Why would you expect that he's going to lead you astray now? So I encourage you to trust him. Blindly. It's hard for us to do, I get it. But trust him with 100% faith. Walk with him by faith. Don't let anything hold you back. We're getting ready to close, so worship team, if you want to come up. I'm going to pray for us. And I want you to truly consider, as they play this last song, this last song is called, I think it's Give Me Faith, right, Sierra? It's Give Me Faith. I want you to ask the Lord to give you faith. As we sing it, as you sing these words, give me faith, let that be what your heart actually cries out for, and trust in Him. If you feel like that, that what God's calling you to do is to give your life to him today, I want to encourage you to come forward and do that. If, and you're the only one who knows that. Maybe you thought for a while that you've been saved, but maybe now you're not so sure. Maybe you're in a season of life where you go, I just haven't been following the Lord the way that I needed to. I need to come and renew my life before the Lord. Come forward today. I want to encourage you to actually come forward. You've heard me say a hundred times, you can do it from your pew where you're at. I don't care where you get saved as long as you're saved. I'm going to ask you by faith, and I'm going to encourage you to actually come forward today. Step out in faith, blind faith. If you feel the Lord is tugging at your heart in any way, shape, or form, I encourage you to embrace that, to respond to it with, here I am. Here I am, use me, call me. I will answer, and I will respond. So let's pray. Lord, I... I come before you now and I give you thanks and praise just that you are here among us. And Lord, I know just how difficult it is to respond when you speak to us. Lord, I remember struggling and fighting against you. Lord, I remember, remember crying out and saying, I'm not the one, I'm not who you need. Lord, I, I remember saying that I'm not worthy. I remember saying that, that I'm only gonna bring you down. But I know now that it's not, it's not true. Lord, I pray that, that if anyone is here today who doesn't know you, that no matter what the devil says to them, whatever Satan, whatever lies he may be casting, that, that, that you would allow for us to know and to feel in our hearts and to believe that you died for us, that you desire us, that you left the 99 to come and search for us and you continue to seek after us and call us. So Lord, I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that you would draw them forward today. Help them by faith to stand and to walk, to cry out to you and surrender their life. Lord, if there's anyone here today who is struggling with things in their life, Lord, whether it it just be the circumstances of the world around them, Lord, the, the heaviness that is out there. Lord, I pray that they would come forward and that they would surrender all of that over to you as well, Lord, that they would just come to the altar and just give it to you. Lord, if they need to renew their faith in you and just say, I want to recommit my life to you, Jesus, I pray that you would give them the encouragement, the strength, the everything to just simply get up, 
to rise and to come forward. And in a fact, just, just, just in, a, in, a, in a faith and an obedience, Lord, you have called out to us. Help us to respond. Help us to do your will. Help us to surrender and to cast off all fear. All fear. I pray that you would shut down the voice of the evil one and that you would help us to just simply follow the voice of the lamb. Because the woes who, those who belong to you, those who, who, who belong to Jesus Christ, we know your voice. And I pray that you would draw us to you today. Let your Holy Spirit move free here in this place. Help us to respond. Pray this all in your holy and precious name today. Jesus, we love you. Amen.